Trust me. Yeah, I, I already feel you, man. Well, listen, before we dive into things, I would like to welcome everybody to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine, because those are the two things that keep me going. This is actually season two of the podcast, which is insane. So I'm really, really excited about that, but even more so excited because I'm actually in partnership with AAF, which is the American Advertising Federation this time around. So excited to have them as a partner. And during this entire series, we are going to be talking with alumni and past recipients of the Advertising Hall of Achievement. So today I have my brother, my friend, Brandon, that I am going to be chatting with, man. I know that we've known each other for quite a long time, but even in saying that, I'm going to tell a little bit, you know, about you. So Brandon is the managing chief creative officer um, currently, um, he, but he spent his entire career uh, really trying to find interesting ways to make advertising um, anything um, but advertising. And I think he's probably going to touch on that today in the best possible way. He's built brands with some of the most loved brands in culture. And he started his career on the hard streets of Madison Avenue, uh, where he works for Hennessy, Lug Shoes, as well as a ton of other brands. Um, he has climbed the ranks among several different agencies, joining teams, um, including TBWA, um, in Paris, where he worked on brands such as Absolute Vodka, McDonald's, PlayStation. Uh, so any gamers out there that are listening, I'm, I'm sure you'll be fascinated by that, along with Leo Burnett and a ton of other agencies. But one thing that I do want to touch on is that outside of all the agencies that Brandon has worked at, I think um, where he has been recognized, and that's including 2019, where he was um, a Hall of Achievement inductee, 2019 Ad Color One Club Creative Award recipient. And then also, I think, if anything, is a proud mentor and inspiration to millions, which I think that that's something that is probably near, dear, and true to his heart. So, Brandon, what up? Well, thank you for having me, Adu. <laughs> you know, man. I was like, oh, yes, Adu. You know, man, I'm just, I love you, brother. Oh, man, I, I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Well, listen, for the people at home, I did share a little bit of your background, but um, is there anything that I missed that you think that everybody should know? I mean, no, nah, man. I mean, the first thing I always say is the most important thing is I'm a third culture kid, mm. right? Because I think so many times it's, uh, it's overlooked as, and the third culture kid is I'm an American that did not grow up in America. And so many times we see black people as monolithic mm -hmm. as we only come from one place, but we are actually like multicultural and multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an American. I was born in uh, Madrid, Spain, and then moved to Frankfurt, Germany, then Venice, Italy, then Dahran, Saudi Arabia. And then I went to boarding school for high school in London. And uh, so being uh, international has just been a part of me my whole life. So it was, it was, the fact that I went to, like, you know, I started my career in New York and then spent seven years in Paris. I was just a part of who I was my entire life. So <laughs> I think that is something that I, I'm very proud of and it actually has helped me on my journey. And I'm always very big on telling like, the, the, the people I mentor, like, get the hell out of America. Yeah. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think you bring up a good point, though, and even in saying that, because, you know, so much of today's show is really focused on individuals truly showing up as who they are and living yeah. an authentic life. You know what I mean? And if 
really sounds like the makeup of all the different places that you lived is is a reflection of who you are. Um, yeah, I want to take a step back because I remember the first time that we met. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know if you remember, but I like to I like to go back. I never forget <laughs> this, and I just remember being like, "Okay, yeah, he's 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 on one in the best possible way." And I didn't think that you could top me, you know, because I'm into fashion just as much as, you know, oh. just as much as Brennan is, man. But it was at Ad Color, and I think that you pulled up in the Prince. Um, ah. <laughs> yes, homage to Prince, the late great Prince. Yes. Yeah, man, the late great Prince. Somebody else that just embodies individuality, you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like that's so important. Um, so look, let's take a step back down memory lane. And I know that this is a tough question, but in knowing who you are, mm -hmm. when was it that you first realized I'm a creative individual? Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one, you know, because it's so funny because I, it's, it's funny because I like distinguish like there's a, there are creatives and there are creators. Okay. Okay. They're different. Right. Creatives are people who love to, in my opinion, they love to think about things to create. Mm. Creators have to create things. They're constantly making and doing and building things. So when I knew that I was a creator, I was young. I was, um, I was probably in like the third grade. And uh, my school was having a talent show. And I wanted to do uh, a song by a group called Cameo. And the song was called Word Up. Mm. Right, you remember that song, Word Up? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I remember asking my mom, I was like, I need a red cup. And my mom was like, oh, okay, yeah, boy, I will get you a red cup. And she brought me like this red like teacup. And I was like, nah, mom. <laughs> I need like the red cup you put over like your junk. Oh, oh, okay. Oh no. <laughs> You're in the third grade. I ain't gonna get you no red. Like, you better get out of here. I'm gonna get you some red shorts. <laughs> you know, I, was like, I gotta build this world. Like that's the music video when he had the tights and I had to like go all out. And so I knew that fashion was like this thing, like you had to create this world. And I think that was the first time that I realized that like through the clothes that you put on and how you built, like you could go into this whole new place and fashion became like this thing for me. And it was, that was the first time I think that create tour came out of me. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. saw like music videos and music was such a cool thing. And fashion was the first place I really started to explore my creativity. Nice, nice. I think that, you know, for the people that are listening to this conversation right now, I'm pretty sure they're like questioning which, which, in which rim they fall in. Um, what do you think is that roadblock or that area to where individuals that are creatives can be a creator? What is, what do you feel like you often see as the thing that's holding them back? And I know that you mentioned it's obviously physically doing it, like yeah. getting it done. I come from that background where it's like, I can't, I gotta get it done. I have yes. to see it. But what do you what have you seen as a trait in people? I think it's fear, right? They're so afraid of what other people are going to think about it, what other people are going to judge and say about it. Like we as creators, mm -hmm. creatives, we are very sensitive people. Like we wear our hearts and our emotions on our sleeves, and we care about what other people think. Though we may put on a vibrato and this ego, yeah, we don't care. Like whatever. But we are so, it's like, you know, like Erica Badu said it, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my, mm, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And that yeah. is so true. But true creators, it's like we must, like we have to put it out in the world, right? We can't hide it. And it's so usually so far different, so different than what the world sees because the reason why we have to create it is because I don't see it anywhere. And it's so judged, and people judge it so harsh and so fast because they're not used to seeing it. So the roadblock, and especially when we talk about like the career, like in advertising, it's hard to be a creator. That's why they're called creatives. Mm. Because they have literally put us in this place where like you can come up and ideate all day long because someone can judge it. And then you don't have to put it out in the world. Creators are like, I don't need you to validate anything. I'm gonna put it out in the world and you ain't gotta see it. It's not for you to get it or not get it. Because I create creators create culture. That's why you won't ever see a true creator will stay like a like, like we always talk about like an advertising agency. Like, why can't we like like the best creatives in, in agencies end up leaving agencies because they don't cultivate creators. They want to stifle creatives, mm. right? And so yeah. what happens is you get that creator who's like, I just want to make it. And we rapid prototype stuff. I'm like, oh, we can do this and we can do that. And they're like, ah, I got to put you in the box. Put you in a box. I got to put you in a box. And especially when you put like people of color in that, when we are naturally creators just by the way, just when we're being born and the way we <laughs> have to go through life, we are just creators by nature. Yeah. Like I got to walk down the street. I got to be creator. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I just do that? Like, I, like, the way we dress, the way we comb our hair, the way we talk, the way we just show up in the world is creators. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, put us into this place that stifles creators because all they know how to do is facilitate creatives. Mm. That becomes very hard. And so what we do is we end up minimizing ourselves to be in that place. And then all of a sudden we start to second guess the hardest part of being our creator, which is like, are you gonna judge me? And then you start to second guess the, the very essence of who you are wanting to put it out in the world. Yeah. So I think all that thing is when we get to that creator part, you get as a young creative, true as a rude creator, is you start to have this like internal like struggle because the whole time you're, you're, you're trying to be like, but I think this is hot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the rest of the world, or the world that you're in, the small world, the bubble that you are in, especially in advertising or in marketing, doesn't see the bubble because they don't create culture. They copy it. When you yourself are, have the power to create it every day and they don't, so yeah. they don't see it because all they know how to do is cop it. So I always tell people when you are a creator, create, just make it. And if they don't see it, be like, it's not my fault. <laughs> like, he said, it ain't my fault. Yeah, yeah. do that. <laughs> I mean, no, tell me about it. And most of the time, I actually, I did do that and I did it well. Yeah, I did. Um, I did. <laughs> you know, we are still, in the beginning, the middle, or the end of a global pandemic is, is one of the three. I'm not going to. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I'm not going to say which one, 
but I think that, you know, now is like the perfect time that I feel like a lot of people are reevaluating the projects yeah. that they're doing outside of their nine to five, uh, mainly because it is uh, some people are being consumed by their nine to five due to like a lot of restrictions that were currently in place. So it's like, okay, yeah, let me just work. Um, I, I've always looked at you as somebody who you've always promoted projects outside yes. of just doing what you're doing in your within your nine to five. And yeah. I wanted you to possibly provide guidance to the listeners on the best way to identify a passion project uh, that they love or something that they can then um, also continue to work towards building. Yeah. Um, because I think that, that those outside projects are so much of your identity. I know that um, you started um, with your passion for, for sneakers and shoes, yeah. so I would love for you to touch on that. But yeah, share a little bit with the people. Well, I mean, like, you know, there is, you know, you have your nine to five and, mm -hmm. and hopefully your nine to five is something that you're super passionate about. And it's part of aligning your nine to five with your passion and your purpose. Right. And that's hopefully you're guiding your whole life, aligning your passion and your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so your job is your vocation. And your, your whole like being is to try to find the alignment. You align yourself with people in your job who are helping you grow as an individual in your talent or what I call your fluencies, right? So your fluencies are things that you are taught throughout your life. So you may have a fluency and like my fluencies are art direction, design, typography, public speaking, like all these things that I've gotten better at over the years. So then when you have a side project, those are the things that you are like, you know what? I am super passionate about that my career. Oh, I don't know who is calling. Okay. Yeah. Like, see, everybody calling. It's OK. That was just a call. We got Jesus on the main line. Right. Jesus was calling me and being like, yo, I need you to go do that for me. But um, see, oh, it never stops. It never stops. I know so it. I know it. Sorry about that. No, all good. All good. We have so like the the when you have like the outside project, the way I always say is you have to have you have to never stop your hustle, mm -hmm. right? Because you never know how your side hustle could become your main purpose. And just because you have a job, that is, your, that is like your manna. That is what's sustaining you. But that doesn't mean that that's your promised land. Mm -hmm. By doing the things that fulfill you on the side, those are the things that are your God-given talents. And sometimes you need to make sure you are not putting, burying your talent. Yeah. It's just because the organization you are in may not see your God-given talents, which are your superpowers, doesn't mean there's someone or something else that cannot tap into that God-given talent that could propel you into your God-given purpose. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do not bury the talent. Yeah. Go out and multiply it. Yeah, yeah. Minimize it. Almost thinking that the talent is hurting you. Yeah. It's hurting you, right? Because the great thing about my uncle one told me years ago, he said, How do you know? I said, How do I know that it is a gift from God? Like, how do I know that it is a fruit of the spirit that I'm working in? He said, Brandon, how do you know when you are working in the fruit of the spirit? Is you will be dead tired and you start doing it. And all of a sudden you will have energy that you have no clue where it came from. Yeah. That's how you know you are working in your purpose. Yeah. So that's why you must, the thing that you are passionate about, it may not be the job. 
So you must find the things. And the right, the right job will figure out how to help you facilitate that because mm-hmm. they see it in you. And then if you have the right organization around you, they'll be like, well, dang. They think, whoa, they are really doing something there. Mm-hmm. And how can I help grow that talent as well? Because I might be able to help. It might help my organization grow somewhere. Because we cannot be so like one mind, like single minded track, not realizing that as we bring young talent in close to us, that they may help us hypothesize and prototype something new to mm-hmm. pivot us into something great. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. we must realize is some of the greatest companies that exist today did not start in what they originally planned to be. Mm, for they sure. pivoted into something else. Yeah. Because I mean, oh. someone brought something to it and it was like, oh, actually, that's what it could be. And it made it even better. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate that. If you hear that, people, gems on gems on gems. Um, and like I said, you know, one of the things that I've always admired by you and actually took from you, too, is I think your level of just mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually my first introduction to you, whether you realize it or not, with so many other people talking about Brandon and, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, my, my love for Brandon and, you know, whether you have the, the Candace Queens of the world, shout out to Candace or, you know, the Ashley McGowan's and so many, Kendra Croft, which I know is a mutual friend and, you know, yes. just great things. What would be your advice to senior leadership when it comes to fostering um, up and coming or younger talent uh, in the industry? Where do you feel like they're kind mm-hmm. of missing the mark when it comes to doing that? Um, I'm sure that especially being that we're not physically interacting, it even makes things a lot more harder. But what would be your advice to them? You know, I mean, like, even as a senior leader myself, I think you have to let there's this weird place, like, you know, it's like we as senior leaders, like how we came up, it was, you work hard, mm-hmm. right? Like it was about the work. It's about the work, 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 and nothing else mattered, right? I think now with senior leadership is you have to give space to younger creatives, but you have to challenge them to create. Right. So like all the like the mentoring and all the like the people who've worked for me, they'll tell you they're probably like, I'm the hardest creative director to ever work for. Cause I'm like, what'd you make today? Don't tell me what you thought about today. I don't care. What'd you make? <laughs> right. And like, why aren't you bringing your other passions to work? Like, tell me what what else in the world did you bring in? But I think what senior leadership needs to know about creators today is they are so they're into so much. And they're curious about so much. Mm-hmm. And you have to put them, they want, like the funny thing about talent today is they think they can do it all, right? They think that, um, you know, they can be in a job for six months and they're like, oh, I can run this company now. And that that's, that's a beautiful thing, right? But they also don't realize, like, oh, whoa, there's a lot of work behind that. So you have to understand, like they have, they have, a, they have a hunger for leadership, right? And that's great. Mm-hmm. There's a thing of like a lack of craft that we have to give them to. Now, when you start to, you have to figure out how to put those two together, because they want to be hands-on. Young talent, they grew up in an interactive world, not a passive world. You can't teach 
young talent anymore. You must apprenticeship them. They don't want to sit there and you can't pontificate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're okay. these two. You <laughs> must them. Let yeah. them work on it. Let them see what it's like. And we have failed young talent immensely as senior mm. leaders because we think that they must pay their dues, mm-hmm. right? We, we think that you must, young buck, you must do what I did to get there. And we are doing a detrimental disservice to young talent because they have seen more than we've seen. They have done more and experienced more than we have done and experienced in a short amount of time. We can help give them wisdom and guidance so they don't make the mistakes that we have or do the, have the struggles that we had, but we got to set them free sooner, mm-hmm. right? So we got to build a playground for them and let their ideas be heard very, very fast and let them, they want to mess up, but they also have, the young talent has a fear of failing. They have a mad fear of failing because they have to be perfect, right? And as soon as they fail, they clam up really quick. They don't have, they, 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 young talent doesn't have what I call the grit. They haven't had to go through the adversity that we have had to go through, right? Because they didn't have to have, they they can clap back because they have the space to clap back. Where a lot of the senior talent, we didn't have the space to clap back. We had to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that we're at a different time and a different yeah. place. But what you do is you make space for them. Because we don't, we don't, we don't have to, we can't be mad. Because I feel like a lot of senior talent, we get mad because they <laughs> like better than us. Yeah. <laughs> right? We still get down. Well, when I was your age, I had to walk to school uphill both ways with no shoes. We do the same stuff. Yeah. But no, we should be, we should champion that they don't have to do what we had to do. Mm-hmm. We should be happy that we did that we did it, that we paved the way, that they don't have to go through that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we get to let them be even freer. So when we get into places that we make a way for them to be free mm-hmm. and be like, no, young buck. You don't have to have a seat at the table. Sit your ass down. I've made room for you. Be mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to authentically let you be you. Don't come in here and play gay. You don't got to. Yeah. <laughs> authentically you. Say yeah. what you want to say, how you want to say it. I don't care. With the music you want to play it, I'll protect you. Nice. <laughs> nice. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I think when we think about the Advertising Hall of Achievement, which I think you were inducted, what, 2019, correct? 2019. Yeah, 2019. That says young, up-and-coming professionals and talent who are just making their way in the industry. So that means you even still have a long road ahead of you. Um, But I'm sure that along the way, you have been able to really establish your style, not only as a creator, but also just as an individual. Yes. Um, but my question to you is, what was the early push through for Brandon when it came to identity, self-confidence? Um, you mentioned fear, taking risks. But what what helped you actually push through some of those roadblocks 
and barriers as a creative individual when it came to just personal development. I'm yeah. sure that we have, you know, everyone from portfolio students that are listening to people that are senior level in their uh, careers yeah. right now that want to jump to, you know, C-suite or executive suite. Yeah. And there's still that, that, that barrier. What was it for you that you ultimately felt kind of continue to help you push through to where that noise didn't cloud you, which I'm sure it did at it certain did. times, but yeah. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, my faith, like it was my faith through and through, you know, there was many nights, even in probably portfolio school, cause I went to portfolio school. Oh, nice. For the people at home listening, where'd you go again? I went to the Creative Circus. Okay, awesome. Right. And it was, it was, you know, like my career, and this is like no shade, no judgment, no. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a safe zone here, free zone, a doozy zone. <laughs> I always say like portfolio school makes mediocre people good. And it makes great people good. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when I graduated portfolio school, they told me I would never make it in this industry. That I didn't know enough about advertising. Right. And like, what was I going to do? And that's no, like, no, it was just, I just knew I was different. Right. And I just do, it was just going to be, and there was many a nights that I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life and how, but I, I knew that I have like a lot of like sayings and a lot of mantras and a lot of like, like verses and, and Bible verses that I stand on and like affirmations that I constantly tell myself, you know, like the verse I've stood on ever since I was 21 was Romans 8, 28, which says for all things must work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to the plan he has for their life. So it didn't matter what anyone else said. I knew that I was doing what my purpose was. Right. And, you know, I like I grew up, like I told you, I grew up in, you know, overseas and I was a young kid who loved theater and I went to boarding school in London and I fell in love with Shakespeare just as much as I fell in love with Biggie Smalls. And so <laughs> I use hip hop affirmations just as much as I use uh, Shakespeare, uh, iambic pentameters and sonnets. And so I would think of things just as much as, you know, a Biggie Small saying it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, but I also loved Hamlet where he said, to this above all, to thine own self be true. Yeah. And I would tell those things to myself as I would go to, to portfolio school. And so those things would help me push through or my first job in advertising. And I remember my boss pulling me to the side and being like, I don't know if it's working out here for you and you should be happy that you hitched your wagon to this horse, right? And like this, the crazy stuff that was going on in my career to like, even when I got big in this industry and started making money and winning awards to someone being like, do you think you've been promoted past your ability and your talent after I had won major accounts and bright and millions of dollars and had tons of awards and accolades. So I realized that no matter what you were going to see, you could have all of the praise and the awards but you need the haters just as much to propel you forward. Yeah. <laughs> right? So then it just like, you were like, know that the higher you get and the more prolific you become, mm -hmm. the, more, the, more, the more voice you have and the more you start to challenge it, shots will be fired. Mm. You ain't ruffling feathers, you ain't doing nothing in this industry. Yeah. I was like, I want them to hate me. 
Because if they hate me, that means I am changing the status quo. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you can hate me, but the work is winning for show. Yeah. 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 Really being able to focus on um, your work and let that shine. Let let the work actually ultimately do the talking for you. That's, That's what you should do. Let, was, let you can for itself. You can't. Like, I remember one time I was like, I had literally just won a pitch. Huge client. Huge client. And they called me in and they were like, I'm taking you off the account. After just won the account, just won it. Right. I was the creative director leading the pitch. Yeah. Are you going to take me off the account now? Put someone else on it? Once again, cool. You ain't got, because at the end of the day, you can't like, like The reason you put me to do the pitch, because I had nothing to do. I had no experience in the category. Yeah. So you put me in there because you wanted me to fail. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. That's why you put it in there. Because if I failed, now you got reason to be like, you can't do the job. Mm -hmm. But that's okay, because I'm a workhorse. I will literally create. I'm a creator. Mm -hmm. I'm a problem solver. I'm strategic. I understand culture better than anybody. And the reason why I understand culture, because I love people. Yes. Right. I'm not yeah. a bullshitter. I genuinely, authentically love people. So I can walk into any room, listen to what anyone's saying, because God gave me two ears and one mouth. And I listen twice as much as I speak. Mm -hmm. I'll figure out what it is that they need and I'll fill that need. That is why. And so when you win and your work speaks louder than anything you could ever say, you ain't got nothing else but to do, but to hate. Yeah. So you're not going to like the The more they hate means the better you're doing. The more, the more the, they're actually adding uh, fuel to your fire. Fuel to the fire. Fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, I, when I look, when I be, I got to think about it. I became a managing chief creative officer by the time I was 35 years old. I became a global creative director by the time I was 29 years old. You know how crazy that is? Yeah. It wasn't because I was <laughs> the best advertiser in the world. Mm -hmm. Not at all. It's because I genuinely, authentically cared. I cared about the people I worked with. I cared about my clients. Mm -hmm. I cared about the work we were doing. I cared about those around me that they succeeded. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about the awards. It wasn't about look at me. And that was because my mentor, Eric Verrogan, the man who brought me to Paris, he looked at me and he promised, he said, I'm going to make you famous. He said, you got to promise me one thing, Brandon, you will never change as a person because who you are as a person is beautiful mm. and the fame will change you. And I've seen so many people in this industry become ugly because they think they're somebody. Yeah. Never become somebody, just be who you are and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Like I said, more more than gems, but no, you, you, have, you have to be. And um, I, I think, like I said, I hope that the listeners at home, no matter what stage you are at in your career, you're going to continue to grow as an individual, but hopefully you can learn from uh, the, the good, the bad, and also too, yes. just, just being open 
Um, so talking about growing and yes. you know, as, as a creator, as a in the creative space, what are some of the things that you are finding to be new and fascinating that you are excited about? I think just in general, whether that's related to film, photography, fashion, um, the environment, architecture, music. Is there anything that you have recently came across and you're like, this is new and I'm, are, you, are, you, are you on the NFT train yet? I'm, I'm so I love NFTs. I'm all like into like the new world, not even like NFTs. Like I believe I'm beyond that. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Like the spatial web, mm. like the web 3.0, which is like the NFT is just the beginning of it. Like the whole digital twin, like where... It is like, you know, when I when I ran Samsung, it was this thing that when I took over, we were talking about, I was like, this is the world's going to go to this place where like silicone and carbon are going to be, it's going to be one. And we're starting to see it with like AI, we're starting to see now NFTs and like this humanology where we are like the metaverse is just the, the tip of the iceberg. And when we think about the spatial web and the web 3.0, where everything will have a digital twin. And it's going to like we're going to live in the world of you know that movie Minority Report and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everything is yeah. you'll be able to like take apart a building or take apart a car or take about your like anything and everything is like it's just going to be wild and I'm so like seeing like what's going to be next like I was having a conversation with a friend about investment mm -hmm. right like where do we invest. And they were talking about Bitcoin and like you know, cryptocurrency and NFTs. And I was like, that's all great. And that's super cool. And I'm super done in it. But I was like, what you want to do is think about what that's going to unlock next. Like, what is that going to enable us to do as humanity next? Mm -hmm. like another way I think about it is like, you know, with the, 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 the new space race that we are in with Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk. Yeah. And I'm like, that's super cool getting the space. I want to know about when like space becomes starts to get colonized. So like I want to know like what's Hilton going to do in space? Like I see what Virgin is about, like what the, what is like hotels gonna look like in space? Like those are the kind of things I'm, I'm I'm thinking about. I also love like I'm super big into like where are we going out with like biomimicry and fashion? Mm. Like are we looking at like new forms? Of fabric. Explain what that is. That's new to me. So what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I'm, I'm mimicry is like fabrics that behave like nature. Got it. Right. So if you think about like how an acorn like will open up when it gets hot and then it'll close. So how are we going to start looking at like engineering fabrics to behave uh -huh. like nature, like our housing? So like all these different things, like how we're going to go back to this place of getting closer to the earth to look at it and how it survives because we're messing it up. And Mother Earth is coming yeah. back at us and being like, it's clapping back. <laughs> so we have yeah. tornadoes in December. We ain't never had tornadoes in December. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas day, we like, whoa. Yeah. Having a Wizard of Oz. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Like, those are the things that I'm getting inspired by. And, it's, and how like art and engineering is starting to become one. Like design and technology. Like we're starting to get this thing where like we're looking at like design and like science fiction is becoming science fact. And this whole new place mm -hmm. is the merger of like Venice. Like what I think about, like you think of like 
how the art, like there was like this artist beatnik bohemian world that used to live and then the artist and then there were like the scientists. And now those two things are merging together and science fiction and science fact are becoming one. And I think this thing of humanity is becoming this thing as well. It's like the pandemic made us, like I was, I did this interview a couple of weeks ago with an, uh, for a magazine and okay. the, the, um, the reporter asked me, he goes, well, do you, what do you think the pandemic would have been like if we weren't as connected, right? With our devices and like Zoom and all that stuff, what do you think would have been different? I said, it would have been way better. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean, man? Like how would it have been better? I was like, because we would have relied on each other, our neighbors more. Mm. We would have went back to what our ancestors did. We would have become way more community-based. Yeah. We would have looked at our neighbors and said, what do you need? We would have cared way more about our brother next door. We would have gone back to the neighborhood and become my brother's keeper. We would have said, is everyone on my block all right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that's what our world is telling us. We have to get back to this place of a do, are you all right? Yeah. A do, do you need milk? A do, do you need water? A do, like, we have to get back to that. Not let me go to the grocery store and make sure everything is gone for me. Yeah, yeah. I got to make sure everyone in my tribe is okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. ration it for the tribe, not for me. Yeah. So all you people that were out there taking toilet paper uh, early on and during the pandemic, right? <laughs> I'm like, hey, no, you only got one ass. <laughs> you know, we have much toilet paper. <laughs> Insane, man. Insane. But no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, I do hope that there is a level of empathy, even within like leadership of how we treat each other um, within the workspace. So yes. I hope that all that comes uh, together. And well, that's what we're having the great reset, the great resignation. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like I went, it was so funny. I even asked, like, when we first started it, I have like, I, I work in this place of like hypothesize prototype pivot. Mm -hmm. And as a leader of an agency and a company, I'm like, what can we do? And so I asked a simple question. I said, is it possible for us to pay our employees less, but give them more? Right? Because if we think about what we pay, you know, like we come to employees and everybody wants more money, more money, more money, more money, right? It's like in living color, more money, more money, more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you don't realize is the more money I give you, the more money Uncle Sam takes from you. Mm. That's the mentality that we've been taught. But really, what I really need to figure out is what makes you happy and content. Exactly. And how we use compensation is we use it very, very kind of like, once again, monolithic. And what your needs are different than your colleagues' needs are. Yeah, 100%. And we need to make it individualistic. Yeah. Because what motivates you does not necessarily motivate the person next to you. And your needs may not. So I started studying, like, you know, the hierarchy of needs. So we got to get basic needs covered. But then we figure out what really motivates a person to be happy in a working environment. Mm -hmm. So it's things like, okay, basic needs. I realize we're in a pandemic. My office has been closed for two years almost. Wow. Yeah. Most, most, most offices for sure. Right. We've been close. But you think about the overhead now as a person who's a CEO, managing chief creative officer of an office, like I spend a ton of money for a space. Right. 
But now I'm like, okay, I don't, now I realize I don't have to have an office per se. Mm-hmm. But, and then a lot of people, I was like, go where you want to go. Yeah. Like work wherever you want to work. What makes you happy? Mm-hmm. Now, there, but I need, I need, I realize I need a space or places, not even one space, but places that we can connect to collaborate around work. Got it. Because that's what we really want to do mm-hmm. is we want to connect to each other to be connected as an organization yeah. to each other mm-hmm. and then to collaborate around work. And then you can go work wherever you need to do your work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was first. And then the second is like, what needs do you have? So some places you need transportation. All right. What if I can give you transportation? Great. We'll figure that out. Great. You, some people have kids. Some people don't have kids. What are the needs that I can do to help compensate you? But why yeah. would I like, let's figure that out. Then the second need, like something else I realized is young, like young, cre- not even young creatives or young people, just people in general want experiences. I started looking at my employees and what they did. And all my employees travel. Like it's part of one of my things. It was like, if you don't travel, just get outside of the country to figure out yeah. what the world is, you're probably not going to fit in my organization. <laughs> like, we're just, we're first and foremost, we're a European company based out of Europe. So yeah, we're just yeah. naturally, you're like travel minded. And I was like, well, what if, like, what if part of your compensation was like every year you get to curate a, a year, like a life-changing experience that the company sends you on, mm-hmm. but then you have to come back and share how it changed your life and how you're going to apply that to making the company a better company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things would, could change how we become a better company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I like then, the individual approach as well of you thinking about individual, you know, I think that, I think that that does happen really, really often, especially more so in-house at a lot of different places, like whether you're at this brand or this brand, you start to become the, the way that they're looking at you is not as an individual, but as a worker of that particular brand. So, yes. And so we had to like, we had to start, I had to start thinking about, whoa, this has to become different. Mm-hmm. Right, because I did so. Because you know, we're we're a smaller agency, and I wanted to be a small agency. I don't want to be a big agency. And then even at the agency model, I was like, I don't even want to be an agency. But I had to really start thinking about as my, you know, as we as we closed down, there was like, I have these are people who work for me. Yeah, they're not employees. They're yeah, people. And now, my, all of my employees, all my people now, they're scared. Like, people are dying around them. Absolutely. And all of a sudden there was like, it started to get closer and closer and closer to my people. Like it would be, it would be like a friend of a friend died. Mm-hmm. And then it was like my uncle died. And then it was like my mother died. And I was like, oh, I, I, I have to protect my people mm-hmm. because every single day I am responsible for them they are looking at me for their livelihood yeah and when you start as a leader and a a person who then owns a company you start to think very different you have to stop thinking of them as a line item Mm -hmm. they are not part of a pnl they are they're not part of just a performer they are people that you are putting in that so when you put that line item on that spreadsheet make sure what I do visually is I put their kids' names on there, 
mm. and dreams, all the things that they want to accomplish, because that is what's connected to all of that. Yeah. So they are not just something that is part of my bottom line. It is a part of their growth and their future for their lineage. And I started to think about this is not about making the bottom line and the performa. This is about legacy for everybody on the spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. And it changed my whole perception. Beautiful. I mean, that's that's why you are in the position you're in right now. You've always been a leader ahead of your time. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, what? How do you define uh, achievement? Mm. You know, that's a really good question. I think at first it was about the money I made. Mm -hmm. Okay. The title that I had, right? Yeah. And I realized none of that mattered. Achievement to me was... Like, you know, like I, I used to always say, you know, the prayer of Jabaz when I was young. I was like, God, increase my, enlarge my territory. Mm -hmm. Right? It was all about me. It was like, I wanted the awards. <laughs> I wanted my name. Like, you know, I wanted to be in the Hall of Achievement. Wanted to be Ken Lion. Yeah, yeah. Wanted to be Ad Color. Like, it was all about me. And then as I got it, and it was, and I'm super humble. I was humbled by it every single time I got it. Yeah. Right? I thought I was going to be super excited, and I was, but it humbled me every time. Mm. In what Every way? I thought I was going to be like super like, man, I'm so badass. I'm so, and it just like brought me to my knees. Yeah. And I realized like this isn't, this is, this is absolutely like so much bigger than me. Right. And it's the, it's what I realized it was like, no longer was it the weight of the world and the weight of the industry. It was this is like the, the legacy that we are carrying on now. Mm. That wasn't the achievement. It was the responsibility now that I had. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Achievement, right? the responsibility. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So then I realized the achievement comes to you was- After, those two, glasses, after those two glasses of champagne. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I know. Excuse me, I yeah. Was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> They gave me the responsibility. They gave yeah. me the responsibility. You got the Renetta McCann's of the world. I know. Right now she's looking at me and she's like, okay, now. Yeah. Okay. She was like, come on now. So, so then my prayer changed and it changed to like, you know, I realized I needed to increase my impact and my influence. And then the achievement came to how many more I could make that were going to be greater than me. Yeah. That were gonna go further than I could go. How many more could I encourage to have the courage and the confidence to be their authentic self and see past where I could see? Mm. That was, that's my achievement. So I, I was, I told someone, I said, my greatest achievement will be one day in this industry or in this world that the, everyone who leads in advertising, marketing, branding, that everyone will have been touched by Brandon Roshan. Mm. And they'll be like, Brandon Roshan taught me that, or Brandon Roshan told me that, that I will have some impact or influence in every single leadership role in marketing and advertising in every single brand and every single agency in this world. Love it. That and I'm sure you are, you're doing that right now and well <laughs> on your way. 
Listen, this was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this because I, just I, people calling me. I can only imagine. I mean, we had phones ringing during this. During <laughs> I know you, you got to go. I get it. Alarms. Vacuum cleaners, people cleaning, telling him to get out. But no, this was great. And also a huge um, thanks once again to the American Advertising Federation. Um, really appreciate you being a partner here. I also do want to note that I am launching a book. Um, it is called Work in Progress to continue to talk about a lot of these different topics. Um, so that will be available on February 22nd of 2022, 2022. But also in saying that, Brandon, is there anything at home that you would like for the people to know in terms of what's next? Anything that they should be on the lookout for? You mentioned an article coming out, so I'll, I'll be sure to be on the lookout for that so I could post it on LinkedIn. But I'm sure we're going to have to do a part two because I could talk to you for days. We got to anytime. I mean, no, there's a lot. I'd be prepared. It's about, I'm about to say, I'm not, I'm not going to tell it. I know, I know. But be ready. I'm telling you. What's happened, like you said, 2019, the induction was just the beginning. Okay, okay, okay. Just the beginning, because the pivot is about to be epic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, I love that, I love that. Well, listen, you all, thank you once again for tuning into A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine, and tune in next week where we'll be speaking with another past honoree of the Advertising Hall of Achievement. In the meantime, take care, stay safe, drink water, and talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.